Hello and welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source for the long haul. Who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Does the who are we include all the people who originally founded Sustain? I, I feel like it should. I feel like it should. In that case, all of us. Uh, uh, moving on. Really excited to talk to our guest slash host today. It's going to be really, really cool to have him on again. You have heard this voice before. Just so you know who the other voices are on this podcast, I want to let you know that I'm not the only host today, which is always very exciting. I get to see my friends. I am, of course, Richard Litauer. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. And I'm joined today by the illustrious Abigail Kabanak mays Abby, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm joined with a baby. So we'll see how well this podcast goes. What's your baby's name? Rose. Rose is also a co-host today. We'll set her up on the website, sustainoss.org slash podcast. And Leslie Hawthorne, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, sir. Very good. Glad that you are doing well. And Justin Dorfman, how are you? I'm doing great. Really, really happy your dog in the background. What's your dog's name? Petey is here. He's on the mic. Petey is here as well. Also going to get a co-host account. So that's very great. So we have so many people on. And also, I'm glad you're here. Sorry for talking over you. I need to learn how to not do that as a host. That's one of my main jobs. I'm not going to talk over this guest because this guest is amazing. Chad Whitaker. Chad, how are you doing today? Hi, Richard. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to have you on. Literally every single time I see your face, I just get so, so happy. Chad co-founded Sustain OSS way back in the antediluvian eras of 2017. He was one of the predecessors to the Sustain podcast, which was the conference. He was He's not a predecessor, mm-hmm. but he helped found it. And he also founded GitTip, which is later Gratipay, a pioneering open source platform. Radical openness was involved. Currently head of open source at Sentry, which is an application monitoring company, if you're not familiar where he runs the industry-leading programs on community engagement, compliance, and funding that he does, which is super cool. Basically runs the Osbo there. He also does some other really cool things. Justin, I see your hands up. You got something to say? In October of 2021, we had Chad on the podcast. Topics to discuss. Sentry's 150K open source funding initiative. And then two, the BSL. Oh, wow. What has changed, Chad, since then? Oh, goodness. So that time I was on the show, it was right after we had just given away $150,000 to open source projects at Century. So maybe a little setup. I joined Century a year before that, so three years ago. So longtime user of Century and joined three years ago, you know, as an IC engineer, actually, on the open source team, and then got really a proper OSPO started right around that time you're talking about, Justin. And one of the first big things we did as an OSPO is we made this major for us donation to the open source projects that we depend on in the community. So Sentry, you know, started life in 2008 as a tiny little open source side project and grew for years just as a community side project, non-commercial. Commercialized starting in 2012, really in 2015, is when David and Chris, the two founders, took venture capital, started growing as a startup. So many years, just, you know, it's this open source side project, deep roots in the open source community. And David and Chris have always given back to open source projects, financially specifically, I'm talking about. So when I showed up a couple of years ago, it was at this interesting inflection point. The company was, I think it was like number 130 at the company. So starting to grow a little bit. 
along with growth comes kind of the need to formalize some things, get organized. And so kind of the giving that David had done all along, David and Chris, and the giving that Sentry had done, it was time to get that organized. So that's what you're referring to there, Justin, that 150K was this kind of systematic, well-organized, let's give money to open source in kind of a systematic, sustainable way. Let's run it as an annual program. You know, shout out to Dwayne and Indeed for their part in the story. But yeah, so your question is what's happened since then? So since then, we've run that funding program two more times. So 150K that first year. The second year, we came back and we did 260K. And then this past year, or well, what, this past month. So this year, uh, I guess, yeah, about a month ago, we shipped the third iteration of that annual open source funding program. And we did 500K this year, which is, it's interesting because you got to look at per capita, right? Century now has about 350 employees. I think I counted 135 engineers. So we kind of look at, we look at the number of engineers we've got in the company. We say, what's the value that our engineering team gets from the open source ecosystem? Kind of the non-commercial, we could talk about this too, you know, because open source is not monolithic. The open source community is not monolithic. It's got different parts to it. And so we're particularly focused kind of on the non-commercial sponsorable part of the open source community. So what's the value that we as a company get from that part of the community? If you work it out, 135 engineers, 500K, that's $3,700 per engineer at Century per year that we're giving to open source now. Yeah, so that's the number we think in terms of. So I guess rambling answer your question, Justin, you know, we've done that funding program two more times, grown it each time. And then you also brought up the license too. Wait, 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 wait. Where I want to interject want to right there. Yep. This sounds like napkin math. How did you come <laughs> up with this? It was actually right in the era when Sustain started, spring, summer of 2017, I was winding down Gratape. We were uh, launching Sustain as a conference at the time. And I was kind of doing some thinking about this question of open source sustainability. There's a lot of kind of energy and enthusiasm around it. And in some cases, kind of like negative energy, like why aren't companies giving more? Like there's this sense almost of unfairness, right? That it's like, here's all these companies that are using all this open source software that all of these kind of, uh, wow, I mean, this, I'm talking about myself. These, these idealistic youths are just spending all their you know, energy building all this great software, putting it out into the world, and then waking up 10 years later, totally burned out because they poured themselves out, you know, myself out, writing all this open source software, and then realize, you know, like there's an economic reality to life. And there's all these companies that are using our stuff and aren't giving back. And, you know, that's actually kind of built into open source licensing, which we'll get to, is that, you know, there isn't a need to give back financially. So, you know, that's, uh, well, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, right. So 2017, you know, was winding down Gratipay, we were launching Sustain, and I was kind of thinking about, I was trying to step back, you know, it was kind of a moment of pause for me to kind of reflect and say, what's really the goal here? Like, let's get a little more nuance about the shape of this problem. And let's really identify what it is we're going after. And like, what, what would it take to kind of check the box and say, done, you know, like this feeling of kind of unfairness or resentment that exists, like what would it actually take to kind of resolve that tension in our industry and in the community? And so that's where you get to, you know, the napkin math that you're alluding to, Justin. So I kind of did some napkin math, came up with this figure and we could dig up the blog post there on the old gradpay.blog. You got them, gradpay.news, right? Yeah. Okay. You got them inside the there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So tried to do this first principles reasoning about what's kind of the 
rough size of the economic value that the open source, the sponsorable, non-commercial part of the open source community is creating. And then what, you know, like, so start, you know, top down and then work bottom up. And now what is our company's kind of share in that, you know, or, or, or what would be an amount that we would give that we would feel like, okay, we've done our part. We have fairly treated this part of the open source community. Yeah. Is that, is that what you're asking about, Justin? Well, yeah, yeah. But adjusted for inflation is 2000 per person is what, is that what Century is doing? What's that's what we, okay. So yeah, that was the napkin math in 2017. That's where Century started two years ago with the 150K. We actually just, you know, it's in 75 devs times two is 150 and came up with that budget. It's a little looser than that this time. We, that's 3,700. I, you know, 2017 to now, you know, the market, uh, I don't think I don't think we're at that uh, much inflation. So yeah, we're we're beating inflation on that one, I guess. I haven't checked, but yeah. So it's a little it's a little looser than that. We're still kind of wrestling internally, and 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 ideally, this would be a bigger conversation, right? I think part of what going back to your earlier question about what has changed, we're at the point where like we need other companies to join us. You know, like I've run this program three years in a row at Century. We're kind of pushing the limits of the tooling that's available. We can talk about thanks dev and GitHub sponsors and some of these other platforms. Like we're really straining like the limits of the tooling that's available. Like we need other companies to come along. And there are others, right, that are doing this, that are giving money back to the, we also need a better name for this, right? The non-commercial sponsorable part of the open source community. But that's definitely something that's changed the past couple of years. Like we've reached this point where it's like, all right, you know, like this isn't like a new kind of gimmick anymore, right? This is like, let's make this real. Let's make this repeatable. Let's make this sustainable. Let's make this, you know, blow it up and have hundreds and thousands. Like it, you know, this is going to be a mantra. It needs to be weird for companies not to do what Century's doing, right? It needs to be weird for companies not to uh, significantly sponsor uh, these projects. So yeah, when we talk about what's that right amount, we think that the per capita, the per dev, figure is an interesting one to talk about because that's easier because the other big one is revenue. Like you can talk about percentage of revenue or percentage, you know, profit or something like this. That one gets dicier when you're like, well, you know, you got public companies, sure, but you got a lot of private companies. Are they going to be comfortable talking about that? And it seems like some kind of metric that's roughly, you know, it's never be perfect, but roughly comparable across the industry is a helpful thing to get to. So the kind of the per dev numbers seems to be a good one to dial in on. So is 2000 the right number? Is 3,700 the right number? You know, let's make that a conversation, but I think that's a conversation worth having. This is really, really cool. I have some really silly questions, which may seem a bit out of base for a second. How sure. many employees does Century have? We're at about 350 right now. 350 employees. Great. Yeah. And um, 135 are, engineers. Are they mostly in the States? Yes. On a technicality. So our headquarters is San Francisco. And we're not a remote company. We're an in-office company. I'm, I'm a, an exception that I'm remote. But our main office is in San Francisco. Our second tier offices are two. We have one in Toronto and one in Vienna. And then we have tertiary offices in Seattle, which is where my team, the OSPO is. And I think Amsterdam. I think we might have a tiny office in Amsterdam. So generally Amsterdam. in the large Western industrialized world. So Correct. Excellent. Okay. Do yeah. you pay all of your employees a living wage? That one's an easy answer. Yes. Great. Awesome. Okay. That's excellent. What I'm trying to dial in is I'm yep. trying to answer the question for myself mm. of is open source, are open source practitioners who have licensed their software in a way that gives it away for free, the best segment of the world population that Century is 
making money off of to give money back to? Or perhaps should the global south be considered? Should your contractors be considered? Why are you focusing on open source except that you're in that seat? Well, I mean, we can get contractors out of the way. We do have contractors and we pay them. Cool. Okay, great. The founders of our company are David Kramer and Chris Jennings. They come from the open source world. And, you know, we still very much think of ourselves as a company, as, you know, this is delicate, as an open source company, as an open source aligned company. There's this pledge 1% corporate giving movement. And the conversations we have internally are, well, you know, if we're going to do this pledge 1%, giving to open source is part of that. So, you know, on the one hand, we definitely think of that as like something that's core to our DNA. It's a core part of Century's company culture. You know, after this call, I've got an onboarding session. Every employee that joins Century goes through an open source onboarding session where I walk them through what open source means to us, in general, to us, to our company, and the programs we run around open source and how it impacts their role at the company. So open source is core to our company culture. And also because like, we've been there, you know, like, meaning folks at this company have poured a lot into open source and seen the sustainability challenges. And so, you know, we consider ourselves part of this larger open source community where there is this hole, there is this gap, there is this need, there is this imbalance. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of taking care of our own in a sense. How does that intersect with, you know, Western versus global South? You know, I'm going to be honest, that's not a huge topic of conversation inside the company. You know, we love seeing the open source conferences that are getting going in, you know, in the continent of Africa and different places, right? Like there's definitely, you know, a lot of momentum in India, right? There's a lot of stuff happening. I'm not trying to nail it to the wall. Okay. What, what I'm really curious about is that open source is a serious issue. We know it's a serious issue. I've okay. been there too. You've been okay. there. Supporting developers is really important. But whenever you talk about, we should have other companies also giving back to open source. Okay. The first question that the bottom line is gonna is gonna ask is mm-hmm. why this segment versus some other segment that's philanthropically focused? Why segment open of source? open source? Yeah, like like why why are you giving back to developers who've already well, given away tools that you can just take? Okay, so here's here's maybe a distinction to make. When we think about giving money to open source, it's precisely that it's giving back. So a conversation I have internally, and there's you know this is like. I'm representing my own opinion here. And this is like a topic of debate internally. Cool. I think that this line item should be software, not charity. In other words, like we pay for SaaS, right? We pay for this SaaS and this SaaS and this SaaS. And like, you know, in our accounting, in our books, like that's how it's reported. And then we also do, because we do other philanthropic giving besides open source. We have a whole like charitable matching and we do do some other stuff besides open source. Okay. And you know, that gets counted for as charity. And so this program that I run for open source funding, yeah, I think it's this interesting conversation, right? How do you account for it? Because I see it as, you know, usually in non-charitable things, which is most of what a company's budget is, you talk about ROI. What's the return on the investment? So I'm paying for this thing. What am I getting in return for my payment? Okay. And I think that what the non-commercial sponsorable segment of the open source community has done is created this opportunity to talk about IOR, invest on return. And the point of that is just to flip it around, to say, usually we think about, okay, 
I'm procuring this software, I'm procuring this product from this vendor, and I go through this whole procurement process, and then I give them the money, we, you know, we sign the contract, I give them the money, and then I get access to the thing, right? Whereas with open source, the point is there's still a value exchange, right? There's a value exchange, which makes it different than kind of the more purely philanthropic things that I think you might be pointing to, Richard, because there's a value exchange here. It's like, we get tons of value from this open source software. It's like, and so when I think about, you know, all right, we're going to give $500,000 to these open source maintainers. I'm not thinking about what are the strings attached that I'm like looking for in the future. Like I'm giving this money and I'm going to follow up six months later and see, did they fix these bugs? Did they put out these releases? I'm not thinking about it that way. I'm thinking about, I'm giving $500,000 to this. We're going to find the term for it, but until then, the non-sponsorable, non the sponsorable, the sponsorables, what's a good term for this? Non-commercial, sponsorable part of the open source community. We got value from them this whole past year and I'm returning, I'm paying for the value that I got this past year from these software developers. That's how I think about it. So yeah, it, maybe what we're getting at with this line of thinking is like, it's we're not thinking about it as like purely charitable. It, it doesn't fit in that same corporate philanthropy bucket in the same way. And that's why, you know, that's why we go on to say, hey, rest of the industry, you know, like you're also getting this value. This gets back to the commons. This gets back to how you provision a commons. You either, you know, public goods are provisioned in two ways, taxes or shame, essentially, right? Like, you know, it's either taxation and there's interesting stuff going on. Sovereign tech funds, the big one. It's a sovereign tech fund in Germany, they gave 15 million euro this past year to open source projects, digital infrastructure. So focused on a particular segment, really that infrastructure layer stuff. And it's great. And it's funded by the German government. That's awesome. So taxes are one way we, and are honestly kind of the, the main way that we provision public goods, roads and bridges, right? And then the other way that we provision commons is through, it's basically quasi-governmental organizations where you're self-organized. And you do a good enough job that the government, you know, the main government leaves you alone and you kind of police each other. It ends up coming down to, you don't quite get a gun like you get with the state, but you get some kind of meaningful repercussions. And it essentially amounts to, yes, shame or validation. So I think about corporate, corporate social validation as the leverage point that certainly at Century we're trying to work with, you know, because, you know, again, that's where I sit. I sit at Century. I'm not, you know, doing, uh, I'm not at Sovereign Tech Fund, for example. Chad, I was wondering if you could mm -hmm. comment on the overall divestment we've seen from corporations into open source over the past year and any impacts you've seen on the overall mm -hmm. open source maintainer ecosystem as a result of that. And in particular, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the shrinking of OSPOs because these organizations are the ones who are there as sort of the stewarding function yeah. for large corps to understand how they're going to contribute to ensuring that there's consistent value in the overall ecosystem. And yeah. I tend to think more about the human element in development, mm -hmm. but also accompanying that as we've seen OSPO shrinks, there's been a corresponding shrink in budgets for mm -hmm. supporting open source overall in a wide variety of ways. And I, I'm just mm -hmm. wondering if you've like, what are your thoughts on that? Especially as you're saying, and I agree with you, it mm -hmm. should be weird for companies not to be sponsoring yeah. open source. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly I've seen this, yes, shrinking of investment in OSPOs you know, a couple of places to go with this. One is that, of course, OSPOs do a lot more than just funding open source, you know, this kind of sponsorable part of the open source ecosystem. You know, there's a lot of managing a company's own open source output. 
there's a lot of licensing and compliance, of course, is a huge part. So, and each OSPO is different. Again, Sentry, open source is so core to our company culture. We've got, you know, I only have two people on my team. There's three of us. We're a tiny team. But again, every person that comes in has, you know, in their first 30 days, usually it's the first week or two, an open source onboarding session. It's very core to our company. So we think about, you know, our OSPO's scope is, you know, in some ways bigger, in some ways just different than at a lot of companies. Actually, somebody was asking about this earlier. I haven't seen, and maybe you've seen this and, and I'd be interested to see it. Like, do we have great data on kind of the overall funding of the open source ecosystem? Like, do we have a chart that shows a line that's gone down the past couple of years? I've done kind of some one-off spot analysis and, you know, going back you know, to the napkin math five years ago of like, what's the size of the ecosystem? Do we have great data on that? That'd definitely be something to, I know there, there's the FOSS foundations from Shane Kirkaroo, I believe it is, that would be maybe a good place for that. I, I guess I feel like the fact that Century is so weird, the fact that we don't have this kind of culture of companies paying, you know, like one of the symptoms of that is like, we don't have great visibility. Yeah, I, I couldn't really tell you what we as an industry were giving three years ago and what we're giving today. Yeah, so maybe there's a place to share this. We had some shenanigans last month when we announced our giving program for the year. You know, we use GitHub sponsors for this. And one of the things I set out to do was to give to every project on GitHub because GitHub gives you this little dial. When you log into sponsors and you go to explore, you get this little dial that says you're giving to X percent of your dependencies. And I said, okay, I can play this game. You know, I want to give $3, $4, $5 a month to every single one. Of my I want to get this to hundred percent, right? Like what's, what do you want to do with the dial? You want to max it out, right? So I did. So we got to 95, it was, I think, yeah, average like 98% because we have three orgs on GitHub. So I got it there. It was like 98, 99%. Couldn't quite get to hundred for, you know, some edge cases, but yeah, basically got there like pushing, you know, upper nineties. And it was so fun. And I put it out on, I, sorry, Richard, I did put it out on X and with these screenshot. Oh, this is, this was so bad. Cause I, I put that one out with the dials all at 98%. But then I also, oh, this is so bad. I took a screenshot of Sentry is supporting 500 plus dependencies. GitHub is supporting seven dependencies. Microsoft is supporting three dependencies. <laughs> and I put this screenshot out there and I said, I don't make the rules. You should I'm not sorry. feel bad about that. Mouse That's face. awesome. <laughs> well, and I connected, I was with the GitHub sponsors team a week or two ago and, and, and connected with some, some Microsoft friends as well. And yeah. And like, this is part of what I mean about that corporate social validation is like, we need to start telling stories about the companies that are doing it, you know, and yeah, some light ribbing, you know, about companies that maybe could be doing better. It's like, yeah. So like, I, I'm looking for like the sponsors folks are getting the message. Like they're working, you know, my message to them was like, make the easy button for yourselves, you know, like look at all the work Sentry has to go to. Like it's, it took so much effort to get to that five, you know, like to actually sponsor everybody was really hard. It took a lot of manual scripting and API work. Shout out to the thanks dev crew for helping with that. But yeah, like we need that easy button. GitHub isn't the place to do it. You know, obviously others are working on this as well. But I don't know, Leslie, I feel like I'm dodging your question a little bit, but like, I feel like it's always been so bad that I it, it's kind of lost in the noise. 
you know, like of, of the divestment of the past couple of years or whatever, year or two, our giving to open source as an industry was never good enough that we would notice that as a particular hit when things are contracting. That's real. It's bleak, but it's real. Yeah. <laughs> Can I plug FossFunders? FossFunders.com. Yeah, Thank you. FossFunders.com was started by Dwayne O'Brien while he was at Indeed. And it is, it's been going, I joined like a couple years ago and I think it had been going for maybe a few months when I joined. So actually, Justin, it was probably around the time when we spoke last time, you said October 21. And it's a working group. So it's a call every two weeks for folks that are decision makers at companies that give to open source. It's specifically focused on financial giving to open source projects. You know, again, OSPOs do a lot of stuff closely related to funding, but we wanted to particularly focus on this, this problem. Yeah, so it's a working group of, of folks in the industry, decision makers at companies. So we've been doing that call for a couple of years, sharing best practices and sharing about each other's programs and, and getting to know one another and so forth. And we have a Slack on to-do group, you know, get plugged in there. In August of this year, so a few months ago, I actually did it during Century's Hack Week. You know, we have a Hack Week at Century, like a number of companies do. I said, you know what I'm going to do? And I I fired up Mid Journey and I uh, made a you know a new banner image and I made a new website for for Foss Funders. We had a website, we had kind of an initial website, but I kind of spruced up the website in August and then started recruiting other companies to add their logo to that website. What does that mean? That means our company has a story about supporting open source financially, and we want to tell that story. So if you go to fossfunders.com, you'll see, I think we're at 10 right now. There's 10 logos on there. So we've got front-end masters, Indeed, Microsoft, Prisma, Pydantic, Sentry, Sourcegraph, Spotify, Tarsnap, and Vercel are on there. And each one of those links out, Justin, I think Sourcegraph links to a wiki or some documentation about your funding efforts. But each one of those links to a company resource where they're sharing in their own words, here's how we think about funding open source, and here's kind of our story around open source funding. So the goal of FOSS funders is to build this, again, corporate social validation, right? The kind of positive reinforcement for companies that do pay attention to this, that do step up and do their part. Yeah. So if your company does have a story to tell about giving to open source, even if you feel like it's small, like everything matters at this point, really the goal at this point is like, let's get a hundred logos on there, right? And not worry too much about kind of the maturity of this program versus that program, you know, but if your company does anything, once a once a year gives $10,000 to a project, put up a blog post where you tell that story in your own voice and let's get that linked and let's amplify these stories about companies that are stepping up and are uh, doing right by the, the sponsorables. Maybe that's the term we can come to. Does my yeah. single person LLC count? That's just me. Heck yeah, dude. Cool. Yeah, blog post. All right. I don't think Tarsnap. We are coming. Does, does Colin employ that many people at Tarsnap? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So that's what Foss Funders is about. And it's great. Like I said, what? August, September, October, November. So let's say three months in and we've got 10 companies, 10 logos on there, including, yeah, come on. Microsoft's on there, right? Spotify. That's great. Anyway, we're having fun. That's awesome. How does someone join FOSS Funders if they want yes. to get their logo there? It's a PR on GitHub. Happy to help with it. Again, we've got this Slack. So you'll find that information on there. You can join our Slack channel. I am still pretty active on X Twitter. So reach out to me there. And actually, we, yeah, I set up an account for FOSS Funders too. So doing some 
shenanigans there with the phosphorus account. Yeah. The time will come like phase two is like, once we've got a hundred logos on there, then maybe we can start talking more about kind of the maturity of this program versus that program. And so the best practices and highlight some of that. Yeah. But for now we're in that, like, let's just, you know, kind of gather the coals together is how I think of it. You know, it's kind of, we've got little people like front end masters, for example, you know, front end masters has been giving, you know, per capita more than century for years. Mark from front end masters made the jQuery date time picker 15 years ago or whatever. And this thing is like, you know, embedded in WordPress and is on, you know, half the websites in the world. And this was his own story of really investing a lot in open source and then getting burned out. And he found uh, kind of sustainability through front end masters, you know, in the education component. Yeah. But they've been, they've been giving a lot and we got engaged on Twitter a couple months ago and he was sort of like, well, yeah, I give to open source. Of course I do. But like, nobody cares, right? There's no, like, there's, I don't get any value out of it. Nobody wants to hear about it. It's like, yeah, people want to hear about it, right? Like, let's, you're doing great. Like that can be a huge encouragement to others at their company to realize like, this is a good thing to do and and, and that you are going to be kind of in good company if your company's doing it as well. Yeah, Foss Funders is, is, is my big plug this time around. That's what's different from last time, Justin. This time we've got Foss Funders. Nice. I do have a bit of a subject change if that's okay. I was thinking about how we met Chad and I found this Instagram Uh video I posted. I don't know if the little reflections are. Oh, you've (laughs) got it. Do you remember where that is? Where this was, it's tagged at the Austin convention center. So probably in Austin at some point. Can you describe it for our, for our listeners, Abby? Uh Oh, Oh, that's right. Not everyone's watching the YouTube. The caption is Chad has the best business cards. Oh, this is a community leadership summit, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. With Jono, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And there's Chad with his name tag, and he's <laughs> just pressing down on this big lever yes. on top of a little coin, and then it yeah. puts a little heart in the coin. Yeah, it's uh, a Roper Whitney number eight metal punch. And I got for the for the YouTube. All right, now I'll bring out the 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 show and tell. This is here's the tooling. Here's the punch and die with the get tip heart gratipay heart logo. So what's fun about this is I got this made. And they see, see the shape of that heart, how it's like rounded at the top. You know, it's not like a point like you'd use it, usually get. That was because the folks that were making this were like, our, you know, we can't get that point in the top. It was like a limitation of the machining of this tooling. And so I ended up changing GitTip's logo to match what they were able to put in the metal. So that, you know, it's kind of the, the physical bleeding back into the digital. But yeah, we had a lot of fun punch these pennies. How many of these pennies do you think are out oh, in the goodness, world? Oh, goodness, thousands. Thousands. Yeah. I mean, your arms. It was a few years. Well, your arm, because the fun thing is like, I, you bring it out because again, this, the thing, it was 35 pounds. Yeah. But you pull it out. Well, first of all, I had this case made for it and I put wheels on the bottom. So I'm like dragging this case around. So usually it'd be like, go to a conference. I've got this weird case I'm dragging around behind me for a day. And then after a day of people seeing me drags and they're like, what, what is that? What do you care? And I'm like, oh, that's, that's my business card. You know, and they're like, your business card, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you want to see it? And then you pull it out, you plunk this, you know, like you go over to like Docker's booth or whatever and be like, can I use your table? And then you like plunk this giant 35 pound metal punch on their table and you pull out the pennies. And then, you know, you kind of coach, like you said, Abby, you coach somebody through punching their own penny. Yeah. And then it's like, here's your business card. But then what happens is everybody else sees this and then you often get a line and then it's like, all right, now you're just punching pennies for the next hour or two or whatever. If someone submitted the logo to FOSS funders and then emailed you, would you mail them a penny? I have to say yes, don't I? 
Come on, yeah. Richard. I can't say no to that. <laughs> I can't say no to that. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. If, okay. if, you, if you come to me and you mention that you learned about FOSS funders from this show and we get your company logo on there, you know, we'll do it in the GitHub pull request. You, we'll document it for everybody to see and get the link back to sustain. And then we'll punch some pennies. So here's, here's what a penny looks like. And I think that's a great place to wrap up. I don't want to ask any more very tough questions of Chad. Chad, thank you so much. Where can people learn more about your efforts? I know you said you're on X. Do you have like a a blog or anything like that? (laughs) Well, chadwhitaker.com is a a kind of a one-pager homepage. You can get links from there. I think we'll link out in the show notes to Sentry's blog post about our most recent funding initiative, obviously FOSS funders. We didn't even get to the license yet. FSL.software, you know, maybe if I can kind of mention this briefly, we do think about licensing and funding as going hand in hand, you know, because like we were talking about earlier, open source licensing kind of has this tragedy, the commons, this tendency built into it kind of by design almost. We need to be honest about that and then have that conversation about licensing in the open source community and how that relates to sustainability and funding. But that's a big, difficult conversation. We're not going to uh, go down that rabbit hole today. I want to briefly mention That's that. okay. We don't have to cover every single rabbit yeah. hole. We can also, you know, you can go do that so on many forums. You can do that online. There's a lot to talk about. Yep. This is our like 200th podcast-ish. We've recorded over 250 in the whole sustained thing. So your little, let's start you a sustained conference is still going. And that's all <laughs> thanks partially to you. So thank you well, so much. You're the best. I can use my spotlight for this, but I appreciate you for everything that you do to keep this party going. This is awesome. I love seeing sustain, keep on rolling through the years. Like you said, over 200 podcasts. That's awesome, man. Who knew, Justin, when you were first organizing that sustain conference, that this would be what, what we're still doing, but it's awesome. Thumbs up from Justin. Thank you. I appreciate that. This actually, the segue is really well into Spotlight. Spotlight's part of the show where we highlight other people, projects, or things that we feel like just need some light shed on them. I have to really enunciate the shed or it sounds really bad. So excellent Spotlight. I normally go first. I'm going to Spotlight. I don't know if I've done this before. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Really, really like that book, reading it at the moment, finishing it up. And it's just an excellent, excellent book. I actually find it very rewarding and it makes me happy reading about how he survived the Holocaust. I know normally that's not what people say when you suggest a Holocaust book, but for me, it makes me feel like the world's a better place than I imagined it could be. So highly suggest Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. If I've done that again, that's okay. It's just, it's a really good book. Leslie. What is your spotlight today? My spotlight was actually mentioned earlier by Chad on the show, the Sovereign Tech Fund. Wanted to give them a shout out for being an excellent uh, funding body, supporting open source projects, celebrate that they've now become an independent entity so they can grow their organization, and personally thank them for their support of the Octo project. Some of my nearest and dearest friends are affiliated with the Octo community. So thank you, Sovereign Tech Fund. You folks are amazing. Whoop, whoop. Abby? Oh, we got a crying baby. So I am on mat leave. My spotlight's actually, I listened to all of the Wheel of Time audiobooks. It's like 30 days worth of content. I'm um, literally screaming with joy. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> I had to go all for that. Wheel of Time is the best. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I plowed through that. She's three months old now, and I started around when she was born. <laughs> amazing. Sorry for yelling. I've never yelled on the camera before. I just, I really freaking love Wheel of Time. 
It's really good for just mindless reading that you don't need to pay attention to. Justin's headphones are dead, and he said he didn't have one, and I wholly just forgot. Justin wants to highlight the great city of LA. If you haven't been there, Justin really, really loves it. So you should go check it out sometime. Chad, what's yours? Yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to, well, and commemorate Bram Mulinar, who passed away. That's something that changed Justin since last time I was here. I'm a Vim user. I've been a Vim user for a long time. Always a new Vim user. Never, you know, always more to learn. Amazing piece of software, amazing piece of open source software. When I was reflecting on what's an open source piece of software that has really shaped my open source experience, the editor, Vim. So rest in peace, memory eternal, Bram Mulinar. Chad, I appreciate you coming on this podcast. Listeners and watchers, I appreciate that you also came on. For those of you who are confused, wait, they do YouTube. Don't worry, this is like our second one. We're just trying this out. Yes, you can watch this online. How do I find a link to that? Well, you can go to our podcast at sustainoss.org website where you can see the podcast. You can also go to our YouTube channel, Sustain OSS, where this will be linked at some point. We're working on that. We also have a website, of course, sustainoss.org. We also have a discourse, discourse at sustainoss.org where you want to talk about things that's really cool. You can come talk about them there. We're also on Mastodon. We're on Blue Sky. and We stopped using the fashion ne network, formerly known as X, which is excellent. I'm really happy to be able to say that. And besides that, we are also taking donations. So after having just made a very political statement, I, I, I guess I'm asking for money. So that's great. It'd be really cool if you supported this podcast because one of our open collective accounts, we have two of them recently ran out of money, which is great. We use the money. That's excellent. But like the money will run out. So if you like this podcast, you should donate to it. And you can do that on open collective at podcast sustain OSS or something. Just Google sustain. It, it'll, it's in there. And that's really, really cool. Also, like this podcast and share it with your friends. Share it with your enemies. Uh, share it with the local trees and stones. They'd be really, really cool. It doesn't really exist unless other people listen to it. So that's really great. And again, Chad, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad that you're able to donate money. I'm so glad you're still out there defending things. Sorry for the hard questions. You're amazing. Keep up the good work. And thanks again. I'm here for it. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be with you all. Thank you. Thank you.